This week on The Inches, I chat with Ryan Norris, a sports sponsorship veteran, to give some tactical advice on how social can change your entire inventory for sponsorship. Welcome to episode six of The Inches, a podcast that looks at sports sponsorship, sports marketing, and how technology is changing that story and discussion. I'm your host, Nick Lawson, uh, co-founder of Squad Sports and co-founder of The Inches Podcast. This week, we have an amazing guest. I, you know, last week we had Kay Young on from the Sparks. She gave some great tactical advice on social. This week, Ryan came with a ton, a ton of advice as well on how, you know, A, his journey through sports sponsorship, which is really amazing uh, with all the teams he's been able to effect with his strategy, but be just the tactical advice that he gives on how today you as a sports sponsorship person can add inventory that's extremely, extremely valuable right now by just making that decision uh, with the tools that are open for you. Um, so again, you know, last week with Kay, it was amazing to get that advice this week. It's another amazing advice. And what I really love about a lot of our, you know, um, interviewees, uh, going through for now is just the the openness to their tactics and how they're thinking about these things. And that's the whole point of the inches. The inches is to share that information with everybody so we can make these shifts um, to, you know, keep sports sponsorship strong, keep it as a, a prime way to get in front of fans, uh, engage with customers for brands, and then on the sports marketing side, you know, authentically engage fans as Kay was talking about last week. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear this. Make sure you guys listen to the whole episode. This is a longer episode, but he really gave some great tactical advice um, that is just, you know, up and beyond what he had to do. Uh, And really, you know, thank you, Ryan, for hopping on to the show uh, and chatting with us. So without further ado, here's Ryan Norris with a great episode on the inches. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Ryan, for joining us here on The Inches. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Ryan's the Senior Director of Corporate Partnerships for the Miami Dolphins as well as Hard Rock Stadium. And I think I got that that sort of position correct. Is that correct, Ryan? Yes, it is. Awesome. Well, thanks again for joining us. I'd love to hear your journey to the Dolphins, kind of where you went um, to get to the position you're at today with them. Sure. So I actually started my career uh, with AEG in Los Angeles. And, you know, my first job was essentially kind of selling tickets as an account executive. This was just a bit before the the launch of kind of the inside sales program, if you will. And so I started there. And then from there, um, left the position after probably about 15 or 16 months to, to go work for a company called CSL International which CSL International is now kind of merged with Legends, and this is kind of the, the launch of what is now Legends um, Sales and Hospitality Group. So it was kind of the, their, their first project was Yankee Stadium. So I started there um, selling kind of the Legends and Suites, so all the, the high price seats as they were moving into the new stadium, started in the old stadium and, and made the move there, and did that under the Legends umbrella for about a year and then from there moved to New Meadowlands Stadium because they were in the process of building a stadium as well, and it was with the same group. So um, it's always interesting because if you look at my resume or look on LinkedIn, <clears throat> it looks like I jumped around quite a bit at the beginning, but it was really all with the same um, the same group. It's just we were, we were essentially project-based. 
So on the new Meadowland Stadium job, again, it was uh, traditionally selling uh, premium seating and suites, mostly the, the luxury suites of the building for both the Giants and Jets. And we were um, in a bit of a unique position because there's only, uh, it's called, you know, seven or eight of us at, at any given time that sat in between both teams. And that, that, that dynamics, as you can imagine, were pretty interesting as both the, the Jets and Giants playing in the same stadium, um, you know, essentially being in the same state. So did that until the first year of the stadium was complete. And then from there, um, again, staying with Legends, went to the 49ers project uh, in Santa Clara and was there for roughly about five or six months, um, was essentially supposed to be there for about, you know, four years. And during the, during the first kind of initial weeks that I was there was, was being recruited by, um, Joe Becker at the time was who was at Rogers and went to, uh, to Manchester city football club to, you know, kind of take my first foray into sponsorship. So there was the first American to join the club, um, as well as, you know, kind of the, the second person really on the sponsorship team as a whole, you know, not including Luis Vicente, who was a chief commercial officer. So from there, um, worked in, in sponsorship the first year was really kind of focused heavily on, on international deals. Um, a lot of things within Europe, they actually had originally hired me to, to build out the, the business in the U S and my first task was to, to kind of do a landscape view and, and kind of research and, and develop a strategy and uh, the outcome was, you know, initially, hey, guys, I think we're, we're a few years away from European football or, you know, world football being prominent in the U.S. I do think there's a path to go. But right now it's very limited to to kind of your uh, your kind of youth football portion of it or youth soccer. Sorry, I'll go back and forth on those a little bit sometimes still. Mm-hmm. And so from there, they're like, OK, well, you know, we need you to we need to we need to build a business in an emerging market. Where do you think we should go? And those, uh, the markets that, that I kind of highlighted, and the, the irony is, is I went through a digital kind of strategy and looked at where our Facebook followers were, where our Twitter followers were, and, and really identified that we actually had, at the time, more fans in Indonesia and Thailand and Vietnam than we actually did in all of Europe and, and even in parts of England, just because of the, the size of the, the country. So essentially, I created a strategy to go out and, and develop revenue and um kind of implement a 360-degree marketing strategy in Southeast Asia, as well as a little bit in China and Africa at the time, you know, kind of wherever the opportunity was is where I was going. So I became, you know, kind of the, the international guy in the club and did that for about a year and a half, um, did the first regional deals for the club in those in those markets, which is really cool. So one of the things I'm, I'm really proud of. And from there, um, given that I was, now there's there was a second American in the club, but since I was, I kind of had the the American knowledge when, when Manchester City, the New York Yankees um, got together and developed NYCFC, I was a natural fit to go over and, and kind of help launch launch that football club in New York. Did that for um, essentially the first nine months. I mean, the very first kind of days or initial part starting, there was a CFO, um, the general manager, a president, and myself. And, you know, by the time that, that I left, there were probably 40, 50 full-time employees. We actually had a couple of players. We had a logo. So it was a really cool process to be a part of because, you know, uh, mainly I'm, I'm a sponsorship, you know, sweet sales guy, if you will, at the time. And, and I got to dip my hands in a lot of different projects, you know, c- call it from, you know, the color of the uniform to some of the players we choose to even the, the, the logo process and how, how we're going about that. So it was a really cool, cool experience. And um, at the time, I was kind of in a tough position as to whether or not, you know, I stay 
working in the MLS or, you know, do I make the jump and, and go back to, uh, to England or, or maybe even Singapore and continue working, um, you know, for city football group. And given that, that I had a little bit of taste of America, I wanted to stay there. And so this is when the opportunity with, uh, Scott O'Neill and Adam Davis in the Prudential center, uh, became available. They had literally purchased the New Jersey Devils at the Prudential Center in, in probably about nine days and still had to uh, to kind of figure out what the business is, what the team looks like, and, and develop the strategy and figure out kind of where the where the business sits and, and what the, the immediate goals and, and long-term goals are. And so started there as vice president of corporate partnerships, uh, first initially overseeing the sales team, but really being responsible to build it out, uh, implement the, the process and the infrastructure, and this this part of my career is where where I kind of look back on and um, the biggest point if I look at it and you kind of you know how to segment your career in a couple of different areas this is where I learned the most how to not only manage down and manage a team but also manage up which is one of the biggest skills that I've been able to take along with me um, and it's just managing up to you know not only leadership but to ownership and making sure that you're you, you know you're forecasting appropriately so so everyone knows where the business is so. From there was was recruited again by the Miami Dolphins in Hard Rock Stadium. They were in a in a unique position. So they've you know obviously going through this huge renovation. Uh, it started at 450 million. It, it ended you know probably a little bit north of 500 million. But they had a lot of moment in time deals. And and the way that you'll kind of hear me talk about it throughout the rest of the the conversation is there we still had to make sure the train runs on time and make sure that you know. The, the NFL did their $3.3 million, you know, which is the average um, NFL revenue per year that make sure that number was hit. And then we also needed to make sure that we sold naming rights. We sold the four corners and we sold the club entitlement spaces that all kind of these, these opportunities kind of came about with, uh, with the renovation. So started there um, really needed to develop a strategy. We had, you know, essentially myself and the chief commercial officer, Todd Klein, Todd Klein, sorry, had, um, eight months to sell naming rights, which if you ever sold naming rights, it usually takes two to three years. And somehow, you know, you know, 52, 53 pitches later, we were able to secure the the name for Hard Rock Stadium. And the kind of rest is, you know, we've kind of just continued to grow from there. Awesome. I'm, I'm really excited to, to ask this next, next question just because of, you know, how many places you've, you've worked and how many experiences you've been on. But, you know, in all of that, um, how has kind of technology shifted the way that you either, you know, are storytelling in selling that sponsorship or engaging with fans? Um, you know, how has tech really shifted um, the way you kind of think about that and, and go about selling that? That's a good question. So it's interesting because at different times of my career, technology has taken a different, you know, different, different kind of role, if you will. So with Manchester City, it was, uh, we looked at the kind of digital and technology world as, hey, this is how we can build our fan base um, exponentially in a short period of time, right? I mean, there were several years where we were the fastest growing club and in, in not only in Europe and England, but in the entire world. Granted, you know, we started a little bit lower than, the, than Arsenal and Manchester United and Chelsea and the big four, but we really had an opportunity through, through creating unique digital content that was storytelling, that was engaging, um, and we were able to go into these markets and really tell a 360 degree approach. And what I mean by that is, you know, hand to hand activation in the country, uh, sweepstakes that bring people to Manchester to actually touch and feel the experience of the players in the games, but also, you know, a big part of it was through content and through digital. And ironically, that kind of transpired into 
exactly what the the Dolphins did really in my first couple of months there. And, and I think that's this is where I think technology really took a, a, a big play. And I think, you know, we're starting to feel it a little bit now, but I think it's only the trend is only going to continue to grow. So what we actually did was we used to have your, your traditional shoulder programming, just like any other NFL team or other sports, professional sports team in the market, which is, you know, you have your shoulder radio, which is either on local AM or FM, and then you have your either daily TV show or you have your weekly TV show that, you know, people kind of essentially tune in and, and say, hey, this this is how we're going to uh, how we're going to consume our content around the Miami Dolphins and and everything that's all NFL. And what was happening is even in stadiums, we went through the whole period of people starting to do these apps. Um, you know, teams were investing a lot of money in their team apps, and then they realized that as, they, as soon as they got into the stadium, the engagement was very very low because just like you know, I'm sure you can attest to this when you go to a stadium or when you go anywhere now you know, the first thing you're doing is you're, you were on Facebook, then you were on Instagram, then you were on Snapchat, you're back on Instagram again. But essentially even, you know, Twitter and Instagram, you can get all the information you need. You don't necessarily need to go on the team's app unless you need to know where, you know, a directional signage or so forth. So the engagement on the app was very low. And I think some teams have abandoned the app altogether, or some teams are trying to still figure out what that secret recipe is of, of the app and that, you know, the in-game experience as well as how it, how Instagram and Facebook and Twitter kind of integrate into that. So it's kind of, you know, the first step into it, but going back to the shoulder programming piece, what we did is, is we said, okay, you know what, every dollar that we're spending on that, we're going to pull every dollar that we're spending on billboards for the most part locally, we're going to pull and we're going to create our own creative. We're going to, you know, hire a creative director, which we did from, from Adidas, who, who's more of a brand guy. So he looks at the Miami Dolphins as a brand rather than a, a sports property. And what we did is um, we started by first creating kind of eight franchises or eight content series that, you know, were that solicited emotional content that were engaging, that did tell storytelling um, and focus on that. And now those those franchises have grown from eight to fifteen, and this is how everyone was consuming content, right? And these these pieces of content range from a Dolphins Daily Show is what we call our daily show, which is about two to two and a half minutes, which is you can essentially get every piece of Dolphins information that you'd want um, on a daily basis, to stuff like the Grind, which is a take on um, Hard Knocks, but it goes position by position, and it's you know it ranges a little bit from two minutes and thirty seconds, maybe three minutes. So it's all short form, snackable content that people can consume on Instagram, um, through Facebook. You know, we started to dabble with a little bit of Facebook Live. I mean, one of our biggest challenges is how the NFL and their, their kind of social media and digital rules. But essentially what it really did for us, and as, you know, kind of to pull a full circle and relate it back to the sponsorship, it really took, you know, this TV inventory that was a little bit difficult to sell, a little bit difficult to, you know, to do anything besides slap a logo on. And now, you know, we're able to create content that brands can either associate with just by brand association, or they can really truly integrate their brand into the into the uh, content, making it organic and making it, you know, really exclusive so that when people think of <clears throat> the grind, they could think of Gatorade, right? So they think of, oh, the receivers are, are, you know, playing hard and they're going to do this, you know, what's fueling them? Gatorade, right? So it's a nice, it's a nice kind of uh, combination and it essentially opened up roughly about four and a half to, to $5 million of new inventory that we didn't have. And and as a result, we've um, in the last 30, 60, 90 days, we've led the NFL in total video views, um, which is great because as great as the brand as they are, we were also six and 10 this year. Right. So um, and we also don't have uh, a lot of the big star players or big name players. We have some great players, but 
none of those ones that necessarily attract, you know, massive marketing dollars. So I think it says a lot about the, the kind of content we're producing and really the production value. Yeah. And, you know, that's, it's really interesting you say that because, you know, with a few clients, we've, we've had this discussions of, you know, billboard advertising, those dollars can be reallocated to content creation and, and all the things you said, Facebook live videos, um, you know, many, many segments to consume. I'm really curious, you know, for the dolphins, as far as a global reach and a local reach, is there sort of any different in that content, um, toward kind of really wanting to reach the people in the Miami area, but also being able to kind of global globally build that brand. Is there any difference in content, uh, as you kind of target those segments? You know what there, there is and there isn't. So, I guess the best way to answer that is some of the content that we created. One of the things that we did, which was, which is also kind of very forward thinking was obviously being in Miami and being in um, everything that Miami has to offer. It's a a very, it's a, such a global entertainment city, if you will, right? There's, there's a lot of different cultures represented here. It's very diverse. I think uh, 52% of the the people in Miami-Dade County are either foreign born or Latin American descent. So what we did is we said, you know what, we want to take our cheerleaders and we want to hold tryouts in different parts of the world, right? So from Brazil to Argentina to Mexico, uh, Colombia, et cetera. And what we wanted to do is say, hey, let's bring, you know, all these international here and, and, and make our, our football team and our cheerleader team um, really, truly international. And so because of that, a lot of the content we created, we had to start thinking about different languages, you know, in each one of those cities so that people were watching it, if they're watching their friend or their sister, so from that sense, we did have to think about the, the wider scope of how we were going to, you know, kind of create that content. But as a whole, what we really try to do is we take concepts that are either working really well, just in your kind of general content view. Um, you know, one of the, the content pieces we have is Madison Avenue, which is very similar to, um, and I always mix this up, but the uh, the karaoke thing that they do in the car uh yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. Can't remember. Can't can't think right, of so, it right now. Yes, I, I, for some reason I can never. I, I my mind always goes blank at that piece. But so we took a little concept like that, and Madison Avenue is one of our alumni players who literally gets into a car and drives, um, you know, around for 30 minutes, and we kind of segment that down to five or six minutes, and it's really allowing the fans to get to know the player on a personal level. It's mm-hmm. also seeing them kind of in the local market, right? So. Sometimes I may go to a Miami spot that's local, but it may be visibly national or it may be a place that people from out of state, when they come to Miami, they may not have any association or, or fan um, fandom towards the Dolphins, but they may like that the player went here and they may like what the experience that they saw. So it's also about integrating that lifestyle component. You know, because I'm sure we'll touch on this later, but more and more today, players are becoming celebrities. And more what that translates to is they're becoming kind of influencers, right? And you're going to see a big shift, um, I think. And, you know, there's one thing about having a team association, but these these influencers are, are also making a big difference just socially across the entire kind of world, if you will, on, you know, with, with brands you see it with Kanye West and Adidas, um, you know, is one great example, but it's, it's happening all over the place. So we, we don't really try to create content to answer your question directly. We don't create content differently. We, um, we maybe market it differently, you know, so if we go to a brand and a brand says, Hey, you know, especially you'll, you'll take an auto brand, right. And they may say my biggest markets are LA, Miami, and New York, you know, where, where are the audiences coming from who view this content? You know, Facebook gives us all the data and analytics that we could use. So they may say where, you know, 
who is a consumer or who is a, uh, the person that's watching this content and how do we kind of boost it or market it to the areas in which, which are really interesting to me. So we'll, we will use those, those data and analytics. You know, Google also helps us a, a big, a lot too, but we will use those Google and analytics um, to kind of market and, and the, the, the franchisee to, uh, or the franchise, sorry, to, to the brand. Yeah. And, so sort of um, going off that influencer side, um, you know, the, the NFL, uh, I guess, not really knocked, but kind of has a, a thing for them not pushing their players as much. It's more of the teams as opposed to NBA, you know, you're watching LeBron James. Do you guys kind of see that and are, are trying to bring out the personality of your players within, within some of this content? Um. A little bit, but we let it kind of happen um, naturally through our franchises, mm-hmm. right? Or through these these content series that we create. Like we kind of know, you know, we have one that's called Walk and Talk. We know who our more engaging players are and who are less engaging. But we also have, you know, we'll take some someone that may not be the most engaging, but they're super interested in, in engineering or they're super interested in cars or they're super interested in um, real estate, for example. I mean, one of the pieces we did was a life with Rashad Jones. Rashad Jones is, is one of our, you know, better players. He's, he's a couple time pro bowler, great guy, not, you know, he's, he maybe not have as much energy or personality as Jarvis Landry, but from a real estate perspective, he was the perfect fit, right? Because he has an interest in real estate. He designed his own house. And so we'll match the player as much with the content as possible, but we kind of stay away from, you know, telling them how to, how to kind of put their content, unless they ask. I mean, there's a couple of guys like Kiko Alonso has actually came to us and his, um, his brother and his agent has come to, to not necessarily to me directly, but to our creative and marketing team and said, Hey, we'd really like to try to build a brand around him. What are, what are some things that we can do in the market? Obviously his, um, he's a, he's a great example in the Miami market, given his, uh, his background. Yeah, definitely. Definitely that. No, kind of shifting to, to AR VR, obviously, you know, there's some great applications. Uh, there's definitely some teams that want to, that want to push into that and that are, um, you know, some people think it's a little bit too early. Are you guys kind of implementing that into some of your content? Is, is that something that, you guys um, are looking into? Yeah, I would say it's definitely on our radar. We haven't, um, we haven't done anything specifically yet. I think, you know, I'm kind of a, one of the believers that I believe it is a little bit too early. I think people still need to figure out how to use it and how it's going to work and how it's going to, you know, enhance the fan experience. We know, we know what fans are looking for. You know, they want a much more um, immersive experience than ever before. So, it's something that we're definitely, you know, very high on. It just, I think we're trying to figure out exactly how, how it's going to work and, and more importantly, how, you know, from my perspective, how, how we can monetize it. Awesome. And then, you know, same thing on voice, uh, you know, Alexa voice is um, pretty new, although a lot of sort of Alexas in the market. Um, is that something that you guys are looking into as a way to do audio content or, um, or anything on that end? Yeah, that's a that's another big piece too because typically, you know, there's we'll have to figure out in my and this is just kind of generally speaking, and I'm speaking from my own personal perspective because I bought Alexa, or you know, I guess it's Amazon Echo or whatever it's called, but Alexa, you know, obviously the voice, mm-hmm. and now I saw you know recently Apple Home, and it's like which one is going to kind of become the market leader, 
And when they do, you know, how are they kind of going to mainstay that, that hold, right? So a little bit early as a whole, though, I do think there's a tremendous amount of opportunity because one thing that that's kind of changed, or I've already seen it started changing is led and stadium vision in stadiums is not nearly as valuable as, as where it used to be, right? You know, sponsorship five, six years ago used to be, Hey, where's the biggest sign? I want the biggest sign. I want the most TV visible sign and you know, I'll pay X for it, right? Or all they care about is in stadium signage, whether it be static or digital. And then there's a whole move to digital, which means many people can do it. And what I think you're going to find is when that happens, you're only interacting with, you know, the 65,000 people in that game. What I, as the trend happens, there's going to be a lot more of the the similar type branding, you know, brand recall, brand recognition, but it's going to be through, through these, these voice memos, right? So I, the way I picture it is I'm sitting here, I'm on Bleach Report, I'm on Barstool Sports. I'm just looking at my content. All of a sudden I see an ad or I see a small commercial that talks about Dove Soap or does something for Old Spice, one of the players. I can now say, you know, and I have to be careful with him. Um, I, have, I have one in my office, so I don't want to, to say her name and have yeah. her pop up right now, but I then all of a sudden, you know, say, say Alexa, and then, I'll, you know, I can ask her a question and I can say, hey, I, can you send me two Old Spice, right? Mm-hmm. And in 15 seconds, that's going to my house, right? Yeah. So your buying behavior, it's so much easier and that you just, you, you erased all the time in between, right? And I think that's going to be the biggest impact. And it's going to be interesting to see how brands start to use it, you know, and how it starts to integrate it into some of this content. Is everyone, you know, it, it was second screen for a while. And that was kind of like the big thing, you know, this was a couple of years ago when you're watching football and, and so forth or watching, you know, whatever, whatever sport it may be. And now I think this big thing is you're going to see a lot of content on, on phones, um, you know, through, through channels of either teams, through outlets like Barstool Sports and, and, and Bleach Report and ESPN, and you're going to be able to place the order right away. And that's, that's going to be huge value. Yeah. And, you know, we, we think so too. And is it's funny when I when I said it, I had to turn off my Alexa in in the office as well. Um, but no voice is going to be, you know, in, in my opinion, it sounds like in yours, uh, just the way to integrate it, saving that time for the fan um, to to get to the product order will be will be huge. Now, looking o- you know over the next five years, and I know technology changes, you know, almost uh, every few months. But is there sort of a trend or, or something you're really excited about um, coming up in the next five years to, that, uh, that you either at the dolphins or otherwise uh, to employ? Yeah, I think, I think you're going to see a couple of things. So, you know, I think we've already kind of discussed a little bit on the, the virtual reality and AR. And I think that's, that's going to play a big role. Um, I also think that there's, there's, going to be a, a, a trend in sponsorship that kind of, and I don't know exactly how it's going to work, but I think there's, there's something to be said about crowdfunding and the technology that supports that. I think there's, there's going to be something that has to do with sponsorship, whether it's all through, um, you know, through charities or through, you know, supporting causes and benefits or whether it's something that really is more product-based. But I think that there's going to be some type of connection between the technology of kind of digital world of, of, of crowdfunding and people being able to support different teams and different stuff. It, there's just something to be said about it, you know, and I, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen, but I think it's uh, content is going to continue to be king. The um, AR and VR is going, to, is going to play a role. And the other thing, what's what we can't ever forget is that sport is the only 
is really the only thing that has a set time, right? There's it, there's one of the few moments that, you know, broadcast side where having a replay doesn't make sense. And I think that's where you're you're going to see a big shift where sport is, is probably going to stay the same because it's the only thing that, you know, at, at you know 6 p.m. on Sunday, the Super Bowl is kicking off, right? You're not going to be able to record that and not hear anything else that happens. You want to see that and experience that live. Whereas you look at, you know, some of these other things that are happening that where people are consuming their content, such as Netflix, Apple, um, you know, Amazon prime, that's, that's kind of your on demand. So I think those two are going to be separated and it's going to be really interesting to see where brands grow up, go, um, and, and which one they kind of tend to gravitate towards. As I said, Ryan came with the fire this episode, that tactical advice is amazing. Adding, you know, five to $10 million of sponsorship inventory just through some social channels and just really taking some time, uh, to, you know, open up some of those Facebook watch episodes. Um, you need to do it. If you're not doing it for your team, you need to do it today. Uh, take those steps to at least start and get those things going. So thanks again so much, Ryan, for hopping on with this great tactical advice. Um, Again, that's the whole point of the inches. Let's get this out there. Let's get teams becoming successful with all of this knowledge and information. Just a quick side note, um, Ryan has moved on to Amaze uh, out in L.A., which is a great, great uh, charitable organization, uh, and he's leading the sports sponsorship uh, or sports business development there. So no longer with the Dolphins, but still in sports, and we wish Ryan the best of luck uh, over at his new adventure. And that's it for this week of the inches. Make sure you guys tune in next week. We have another great guest. Um, you know, just again, amazing the amount of people that are coming on and wanting to share this information, uh, really humbled by it, but you know, really excited to get this out here, out there. If there's one ask I have, it's just to share this again, great tactical advice, share this content, get it out there and, you know, chat with other sports sponsorship people, not for the inches podcast, I could care less if there's 5, 10, 15 listeners on this thing. But if we can take that and we can shift that into, you know, you sharing this episode and little snippets of this episode from this tactical advice, that's my goal here. So share with your friends, chat about it. More than happy to chat. Connect with me on LinkedIn, Nick Lawson. Uh, If you'd like to be a guest, connect with me on LinkedIn and we'll we'll get, get you on here, get you chatting. But again, amazing week. Thanks so much for listening. Until next week, keep pushing those limits to sports sponsorship.